1: with your host
2: Matt Strawn and Allie. Hey everybody. Hello fellow Let's Get Haunted community. Hello haunted fam. Are we like the presidents of Let's Get Haunted or are we just like also part of like are we also fans? How does what is this? I feel like we haven't recorded in so
1: long but that's not true. We literally just recorded the public monster
2: episode a week ago but I feel like it's been a million years. Do you feel like that? No. I feel like we're Ooh. always recording stuff like I'm getting to the point where <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what else is haunted that we haven't talked about and like everything comes back together like I feel like once you know about a few haunted things... Then they all start coming together. Like, I'll be reading a story about a new topic, and then it'll use like a topic I've covered in the past as another example of something similar,
1: you know? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I feel like everything I read lately, I just keep relating back to the mind matter interaction that Dean Radin talked about on Randonautica. Like, I'll read something simple, and I'm like, oh, yes, that makes perfect sense because our minds are actually releasing particles into the atmosphere that creates a global consciousness right. basically i'm insufferable now i <laughs>
2: <laughs> now i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> i have the same thing but instead of it being something super modern i'm starting to realize that like i agree with a lot of medieval beliefs on like <laughs> medicine and religion And I was like, you know what? Maybe the Dark Ages, like, I think I would survive there. Like, I think I would do really, really well. We're just regressing (laughs) back to,
1: like, all the progress that people have made in modern times with science and medicine. We're just discounting and we're going back in time you know what? someone actually I think it was one of our fans that tweets at us all the time Phil said um <laughs> he was like oh uh it's base." someone was like oh what is this podcast or whatever and he responded and he was like it's basically like pretend that you're from the 15th century and ha- take those opinions and apply them <laughs> to like modern
2: haunting stories right right I feel like when we started let's get haunted our main focuses were on ghosts and aliens yeah and now we have just expanded (laughs) into like very just tumultuous territory you know we have gone off the deep end for sure we have like Someone told me when I was in college, I would like constantly be thinking like, oh, you know, like, what if everything is not what we think it is? Like before I had the education on hauntedness that I have now. You know? <laughs> and one time I was at a party and one of my friends was very drunk and he came up to me and he was like, you know, something my dad told me. Sometimes the curtain can be peeled back too far. And you can see the inner workings of everything that's going on. And then you don't enjoy the show anymore because you're so focused on how are they creating um, what I'm seeing on stage, right? Like who's holding the light? Who's changing? What scene is coming next? da 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 whatever. And ever since then, I've just been like, yeah, I'm just going to think less, you know? What I see is what yeah. I see. And then that's it. If there's if someone says they saw a ghost, that's a ghost.
1: Yeah. Let's let's not pursue let's not question too hard why or how. Let's just accept that it happened. And that's the premise right. of this podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I remember you saying that to me in college too. Was that wasn't that the same friend who you went to that like scream therapy with where like you stand
2: in a room and you just scream? Remember? Right. <laughs> I don't think so, but I don't know. I I went to theater school with Alyssa. Alyssa majored in Spanish and I majored in theater arts and we could not have more different educations, I think. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, that was one of my classes was just like you would go in a room and scream or like crawl around on the ground and try to get out of your body. I think, yeah, I think that's, that's why I would work so well in medieval times because I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. You know, if everyone starts dancing around and saying that they've got demons, like I just join in like, yeah, what are we doing? Let's go. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Right. Let's not question it. You're telling me that this is going to help progress my life. Say no more. Let me crawl on the ground on all fours and scream. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's what we ask of the Haunted Fam. Whenever you guys tune in to one of our episodes, we ask that you not think too hard about anything that we're talking about. And instead, just roll around on your floor screaming while you listen to this podcast. You'll enjoy it a lot more. Don't knock it
2: till you try it, I think, is a good lesson.
1: Yeah. Well, I went to the P.O. Box the other day, and we got some fan mail that I want to show you, Natalia. So first of all, Heather B., that's spelled... BEE or the odd B on Etsy she made us these drink coasters slash ashtrays that say live laugh nut oh my god and they have little aliens on them
2: I love that. I love that so much. Oh, I want to I wanna put the nut button on top of it. Oh, that would be perfect. It's like a stand. Yeah, and it's like iridescent. I love that. That's amazing. Thank you. If you go on her
1: Etsy, she makes a bunch of stuff like this out of acrylic. It's super pretty. I love that.
2: I love that so much.
1: And then I don't know if it's Sarah S. Wilton or Sarah Swilton. She made us look at this.
2: That's very cute. Oh, it's like a little illustration of a bathroom with a recording device and a laptop on the ground that says never give up. And then there's like a little happy (laughs) ghost looking through the window. That's true. That is very much what this podcast started as. And it's still, I mean, we haven't like graduated that much. I would like to think that we're like in a studio recording, but no, we're just not in a bathroom. We're just in regular rooms.
1: (laughs) But, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and he was like, oh, my favorite part of your podcast is that, like, you never know where you guys are going to be next while you're recording. Right. You know, like, we could be in an airplane hangar. We could be in a bathtub. We could mm-hmm. be in a recording studio. We could be in someone's bedroom that we barely know. Like, we I could know. be anywhere.
2: We could be in a car. Well, I, that's what makes me feel great about the podcast is that, like, we don't need anyone or anything. We just are going to do it no matter what. Like, I could see us being like, you know what? This week, we weren't able to record, so we're just writing this down. And if everyone could just, like, tweet at us their home address, <laughs> we'll send out a <laughs> newsletter about the haunting this week.
1: You know, that's like a dream come true. Like, a haunted newsletter? Man, right. that would be incredible.
2: <laughs> what is a wait, what? The haunted newsletter would just be like, this week, the weather is... This week, the world is ending. Right. Right. Exactly. I like that. Like haunted advice column. Someone's like, oh, I've been seeing this new guy and we just have a difference in opinion. And our advice is like, set him on fire and see if he survives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I decided that we need to start all of these episodes by saying, hey, you know, welcome to our podcast. If you are just here for the story, skip to 20 minutes in or whatever, too, because we got after our last episode with Steven, I was reading some of the reviews on the Sugar Pine 7 Reddit and someone was like, oh, they didn't even start the story until like 28 minutes in. So maybe we should just start saying that. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Well, I guess here's what I want to say to newbies, because I feel like people that have been here for a while know how this works. If you are new to this podcast, if we have a guest on here, obviously, we're going to take some time to talk to them before starting, because that's... Maybe we haven't seen that person in a while or maybe they're not familiar with our podcast and they're kind of just doing us a favor by coming on. And I think a lot of people do tune in to hear that rapport back and forth. But yeah, if you don't like that, if you're only here for the topic at hand, if maybe this popped up in your Spotify feed and you have no idea what this is, just skip. There's a feature on Spotify and I think on Apple Podcasts too where you can just skip 15 seconds And I'll do that sometimes if I'm listening to a new podcast and I don't give a shit about the hosts. I'll just hit plus 15, plus 15, plus 15 until I hear them start the story. So that's what I would recommend.
2: Yeah. Or maybe we could just make it more interactive. Like, what if we left clues, like hidden clues throughout our intro? And like, if you have all the clues, then at the end, like you can put them together and get something. You know how like they used to do in the 50s, you could like have, I don't know, like Annie's hidden whatever the fuck Do you know, like, the little codes and stuff they would have, like, in A Christmas Story? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. According to the movie A Christmas Story, if you, like, collected enough of these clues from a cereal box, then you could get, like, mail in and get this special decoder and then listen to your favorite radio show. And I think on The Christmas Story, it was, like hit like haunt like hidden ant like secret annies whatever i can't even remember what it was but then you listen to the radio show and you put in the secret code on the decoder that you got from your cereal box donations and then you get like a secret message
0: hmm
1: so if you guys tweeted us right now saying uh hashtag i'm a spooky bitch we will uh i will like your tweet and that is your <laughs> prize for listening to the intro.
2: Right, like little <laughs> Easter eggs. We should. Yeah. We should. OK,
1: that's a good idea. Yeah, we can get we can get creative with it. And we also have some donors this week that we would like to thank. If you would like to donate to us, you can do so by going to letsgethaunted.com. And in the upper right-hand corner of your screen, there's a button that says Donate. And that'll take you to our Ko-fi account. Or you can Venmo us at DogMomUSA or at NatStrawn.
2: Natalia also has a PayPal and a
1: cash app. What are those, Natalia?
2: The PayPal is paypal.me slash natstron. And the cash app is the dollar sign Natalia Strawn. So this week, we'd like to thank
1: Michelle H, Rachel V, Madison F, Taylor M, Lewis W, Haley A, and Alicia
2: C. Thank you, guys. And also Ephraim P, Janine H, Arian S, Lewis W, Janine H, again, Amy S, and Matthew C, who donated 50 bucks. Thanks, Matthew. Oh, hell yeah. Thank you, I Matthew. Know.
1: Thank you to everybody. This Every little amount adds up. I got a lot of um, 420 donations this week, and I got a $2 donation this week. Everything adds up. So thank Everything, you guys so much. Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. Fifty dollars is a lot, which is why I wanted to say it out loud, because then maybe people will be like, oh, my God, maybe I'll donate fifty dollars. <laughs> and then before you know it, we have a hundred bucks. <laughs> and then we split it between the two of us and we
1: each have 50. And then I can put it towards my headphone fund where one day I will have a pair of headphones that don't make it sound like I am underwater in a coffin.
2: Or we could maybe like uh, record in a studio because the studio that we used to record at raised their price and they're now a hundred dollars an hour. So that means that it would be over $200 for us to record an episode there, which is a lot.
1: (laughs) I'm realizing that we record for way longer than normal podcasts record or I guess maybe not normal but like the average podcast lasts about an hour and then we're always closer to two hours sometimes three hours I know I don't know we record for a long time
2: yeah (laughs) we have to we have to start managing our time better because I don't know about you but like one of the things that I've always been told since the days of your or lore what is it the days of lore or or your The days of yore. Hmm? Since the days of yore was that I talk too much and I distract other people around me in school and in class by also talking. (laughs) And then when I got moved to the other side of the class, I would still cause distractions by like sending little notes and like making little faces and doing things. And then eventually I wasn't allowed to be in the classroom. I had to put my desk out in the hall, but then that was an equal distraction.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I enjoy your conversation and I think that slowly but surely we will get more efficient because did you notice, Natalia, what I FaceTimed you from today? An iPad. Yes. And it says human resources is calling you. Right.
2: I know. I got really excited. I was like, when did I get a job? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm about i about to get hired
2: right now. What's happening?
1: We have an iPad in our office that like nobody uses. And I was thinking about it at work the other day and I was like, hmm, I could. I could borrow this and I could just bring it back every time that we're not recording and just take it to my house whenever we need to record and it's actually way more convenient because now I don't have to have like my phone dying and falling over now Mm. I can have an iPad on a stand so my point is we're getting more efficient we're kind of starting to figure it out however many months into quarantine
2: right yeah well I think we're just starting to accept the quarantine instead of rejecting it and just being like how can I thrive within this new environment it took us a while, I think, to like Liam Neeson, but we figured it out.
1: We've got it. We're, you know, look, we may be a little bit slow. But we get it eventually, so.
2: That was one of the other things that I read on the Sugar Pine 7 um, subreddit. The person was saying that like, was Natalia high? Because she was like slower or would just repeat things that Alyssa had already said. I didn't know if she was high or not. And I regret to inform you guys, I'm not high. I'm just a little slow. You know, like it takes a few times saying something for me to really register what it is, especially if there's not like visual aids.
1: Well, first of all, that person thought all of us were high, uh, but then they said it, especially Natalia. But (laughs) someone, someone was saying, I think maybe it was somebody else that was saying... Uh, are they playing characters on their podcast because they're saying a lot of really weird shit it's like no this is just our podcast welcome to it this is our personalities we're weird I
2: I don't I like disagree with that I think anytime someone's like oh are they playing characters like no shit we're playing characters do you think I'm just sitting in my room by myself like telling stories to somebody like that's not even there when Alyssa's not here you know like this is an entertainment this is a show if you think people go on a talk show and they're not bringing the most entertaining like charismatic version of himself, then you're totally wrong. Like that's how entertainment works. So I disagree. I think that anytime, well, at least I feel like anytime I'm talking to anyone, I'm a different version than myself, whether it's recorded or not, you know? That's true, I guess,
1: cuz if you're at work, you're going to be a different version of yourself than in, if you're with your parents versus if you're with your best friend versus if you're I don't know, like taking a shit so I agree (laughs) to that extent like you bring the best version of yourself to whatever situation you're in or if you're a toxic person or you're just really tired you bring your worst version and that's up to you and that's why we all have free will and we're not living in a simulation or Or are are we yep yeah
2: Yeah, I think like short answer is I mean I I feel like I don't know. I just, that was annoying to me that they were like, are they playing characters? Cause they're saying some really interesting stuff. I was like, what do you, of course we are. Yes. Like we're saying interesting things. Like, do you, I'm not going to like just walking around the grocery store with a nut button. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is a show, right? I, I mean, I would
1: like to say that I'm not walking around talking about mind matter interaction and the goat man of the Pope Lick Trestle. But these days, I kind of am. I, that's what I mean by, like, I'm insufferable. I feel like because of the quarantine, I have nothing else to talk about with the average person. Other than what we do on this podcast. So I'm just like, hey, have you heard that there's a goat man that murders people on this railroad in Kentucky? Like, no, let me tell you about it. And everyone's probably like, oh, my God, please shut the fuck up. Like, we don't care. Yeah. Well, uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get into the story today?
2: Well, I wanted to talk to you about this new hybrid animal that I found out about, which is half pigeon, (laughs) half chicken. But then I also found out that it was fake. And so, no, we don't have to talk about it now. (laughs) All right, Alyssa, are you excited for the story I'm going to tell
1: you today? I am. I'm very excited. I have no idea what you're going to talk about today. Right, because the
2: last story I told you was about the Whaley house. Oh, no. Is this going to be another shit post episode? No. Actually, I felt like a- after seeing just all of the joy drain out of your face during that <laughs> entire episode, I was like, okay, I did Alyssa dirty. You know, I'm going to really like put some effort and time into this one. So I think we're in for a really, really good episode today. I think I did a really good job. Oh, I'm very excited. But let's let you be the decision maker of that the judge of that yeah (laughs) (laughs) right you're right i was searching let's let you be the judge of that Alyssa. yes have you been doing any traveling lately no all right great (laughs) my next question is wouldn't you love to travel right now yes somewhere far far away from all your modern problems yes presenting the world's most haunted island Poveglia. Located just off the coast of Venice, Italy, this cursed Venetian island is the perfect getaway. How about a nice stroll through human remains? That's right, the grounds are composed of lush human ash from the bubonic plague victims. Interested in historical architecture? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thalia is host to a long, closed-down, yet notorious mental asylum in which human experiments were conducted in the early 20th century. Oh, shit. Take note of the old asylum, featuring a bell tower where a maniacal doctor was pushed to his death by tortured patients and swallowed whole by black mist. What? This forbidden island with a dark and twisted past has something for everyone. So haunted is this island that the locals won't even mention its name, as speaking of the island itself is thought to bring bad luck. Best part of all, there's no way off. That's right. This island is only accessible by boat. So make sure you pack plenty in case you are left to spend eternity on the world's most haunted island. <laughs> what, what, what do you think of that? I think
1: that sounds haunted as shit. And I don't want to go there.
2: Have you ever heard of that, Poveglia?
1: No, I've never heard of it before. I was like hanging on your every word. I've never. So you're telling me that there's an island off the coast of Italy with ash from people that were cremated that had the bubonic plague. And then they had a mental asylum. And some guy was like attacked by...
2: Patience? Yes. And that's not even the half of it. So this island has an insane past of just bad vibes and torture, war. It, the history runs really deep because this island has been around from for like 3,000 years of recorded history. So we know a lot about it. And the origins of this place are haunted as well. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. Yeah. So Venice's Pavilia Island was a quarantine center and a mass grave for victims of bubonic plague, which earned it the nickname Island of Ghosts. Ooh. For all of its unassuming appearance, however, it has a dark history and it's said to be one of the most haunted places in Europe, a continent saturated with ghosts from its 3,000 years of recorded history. What do you think about that? I believe it. I feel like Europe is haunted, right? Yeah. The European stories that we've had are
1: some of the most haunted.
2: So Povelia is an island that can be compared to the size of the Sheep's Meadow in Central Park or half of Navy Pier in Chicago. And it's said to be so evil that you'd be hard-pressed to find an Italian willing to set foot on the island. Fishermen won't even fish in the area surrounding Poveglia as it's completely off-limits to visitors for many years. So the Italian government won't even let people visit this island because it's off-limits. However, people that live in Venice and around the area that know about this island truly believe that it's haunted so they don't even want to fish there because they're like the fish are haunted the island is haunted and it's basically impossible to get there unless you bribe like a venetian fisherman or someone with a boat to take you over there and in all of the accounts that i read the people that were brave enough to go over would have to pay someone about 200 euro which is a lot for them to even be dropped off on the island and then the fishermen who dropped them off wouldn't even like wait for them. He would go away and come back at a time to pick them up and was sketched out by the people.
1: Why? Just because it's so haunted?
2: Yeah. So like what I'm really trying to drive home here is that the people in modern times truly believe that this place is haunted and the people in the past truly believed it was haunted and here's why. So the name of Pavilia goes back to Roman times. So it's been around there for a really long time and it was most likely connected to a Roman road which was leading from Clodia in the south to Araclia in the north. And then in the early Middle Ages, Pavilia was a major settlement in the lagoon and it was a seat of local government. So there was a town there. There was like a busy, bustling town there and the first inhabitants settled in 421 out of pure necessity as they were fleeing from the Germanic and Hun barbarian hormones invading the Roman Empire so although the island offered natural protection they weren't spared from the fencing off attempts by the barbarians to invade and take over their small refuge so the origins of this place are already people fleeing and being afraid of losing their lives and being attacked and there was lots of um, this fencing off which means like they would try to prohibit like resources from coming to the island and people were being starved and tortured so that's like one of the origin stories and then their other origin story because we're not entirely sure how this place started is that some medieval accounts state that Poveglia was settled by hostages and prisoners of war. And that the, this, there was like this crazy assassination of this guy, Pietro Trodonico, on September 13th of 864. And the way that this assassination happened was that it was all just like this power struggle between, as per usual with any assassination, between the ruling elite of the city and so the way that the assassination happened is a group of conspirators accosted this man, Pietro, and they stabbed him to death among the rest of his like ruling party. And they took him to this monastery at San Zacharia, which was near St. Mark's. They stabbed like everyone to death. And then the group of supporters of the assassination... Sought refuge in this palazzo, and this palazzo, which is a palace in Italian, was more akin to a fortress. And they refused to leave. So they're refusing to leave, and everyone's trying to be like, "You just assassinated our leader. You got to get out of this fortress or whatever." And they're like, "Nah, we're not going to leave." Because you guys are gonna try to kill us because you're mad, and so there's this really long stalemate, and that finally the parties agree to a compromise, and they're like, you know what? Fine, we're not gonna kill you, but you have to leave, and you have to go to Paviglia. You can never come back to Venice. So then all of these assassinate uh, these assassins and murderers are sentenced to Paviglia. So haunted, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, anytime that there's war involved, and especially the type of war that starts when someone is just straight up murdered, like like assassination, I feel like that's that adds a whole new level to the hauntedness. You know? Yeah.
2: Power struggles are haunted. Power struggles are haunted. <laughs> Literally everything is haunted. My melted popsicle haunted. Um Okay, so then then there was this crazy fire in 1334 that destroyed 63 houses where 80 families lived and the medieval extended families were super large. So 80 families would have been hundreds and hundreds of residents and they were burned out of their home. So I think we can all agree, fire also haunted, correct? Correct. Now, my favorite aspect of this story and also what I think is the most haunted and therefore I spent the most time on is The plague victims. Now, Alyssa, do you know anything about the plague? The bubonic
1: plague started, I think, this is, look, I'm just going to tell you what I think I know, and then you correct me when I'm done. Well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So (laughs) perfect. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. So I think the bubonic plague started in Europe because humans were living in close contact with rodents, and rodents were carrying this plague bacteria on themselves and when it infected humans it infected their respiratory system and then i know like plague doctors would go door to door and they wore these like masks with this really long bird like beak because they thought that it would help like that the bacteria wouldn't be able to get all the way up the bird beak to their lungs and i know that people were dying in such great numbers that they just made these mass graves and they would basically just have wheelbarrows full of people that they would take and dump into these mass graves And that's basically all I know. Right. You
2: are exactly right. So the plague was also referred to as the Black Death. And um, it ravaged Europe between 1347 and 1352. And there were many plague epidemics that began after that as well. But the worst one, the one that we called the Black Death, is between 1347 and 1352 and it killed an estimated 30 million people and many more worldwide as it reached pandemic proportions so to put that in modern context the covid 19 pandemic that we're experiencing now has not killed a 1 million people so think of that like medieval europe 30 million people it was more than half of the population
1: Oh, so like COVID but literally 30 times worse. And this is already pretty bad and upsetting. So imagining this 30 times worse makes me want to cry and have an existential crisis. Right, because
2: well, first of all, too, the way that the way that these people died was horrific. So the reason it's called the bubonic plague is that um these black buboes which were infected lymph glands broke out all over a plague victim's body so anywhere you have lymph nodes Ugh. underneath your armpits your neck your groin area these would get these lymph nodes would get so infected they turned into at some points the size of a hen's egg just full of black Ugh. pus and they would lance Ugh. this because they didn't know what they were doing and then that would like spray out over everyone Yeah, it was fucking gross. I'm very uncomfortable. You guys can't see me, but I'm like, I'm (laughs) squirming in my chair. (laughs) And the cause of the plague, like you said, was this bacterium called Yersinia pestis, which was carried by fleas on rodents, usually rats, but it doesn't have to be rats. And then this was not known to the people of the medieval period as it was only identified in 1894, which if you think about it is pretty recent. That's basically 1900, which isn't that long ago, right?
1: Right. That's also scary because imagine being in the COVID-19 pandemic and not understanding what was happening or how something was being transmitted. You're kind of just on your own in the dark guessing, and that leads to more infection.
2: Right. Right. Yes, exactly. And I mean, to some extent, we kind of are like that in modern times. They're constantly figuring out new things about COVID-19. At first, it was like, oh, you know, we don't wear masks. And then it's like, we have to wear masks. And then it's like, okay, you get a fever. And then it's like, you don't always get a fever. You know, we don't really 100% understand exactly what it is yet. And it was the same like that in medieval times, except even worse because they had less medical knowledge so they really believed that supernatural causes like the wrath of god the work of the devil the alignments of the planets and bad air or an unbalance of the humors of the body um, were really what caused the plague so if you got the plague someone believed like oh in in some instance like you sort of caused this right it's the wrath of god or you were taken by the devil for whatever reason or The alignment of the planets, which I guess wouldn't necessarily be your fault, but also, you know, is your fault somehow because you were born during that time. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, like basically my point is that the plague victims were as much feared as the actual plague, because not only do you have somebody who's infected with this disgusting disease, you also see them as like this haunted individual.
1: Man, that's so unfair. That's like when we were talking about uh, the episode that's coming out next week because Steve fucked up the recording. But the episode where we were saying that people in medieval Europe believed that if you were struck by lightning, it was your fault. Right. And they would like, like you couldn't get a proper burial. It's like, man, it's so crazy. Some of the beliefs that were around at this time, it's a uh, man, you could just, you could die because of the plague or because of something completely out of your control Mm. and your community would just be like oh all of the good things that you were known for all the good things you did now null and void because you did something wrong because
2: of the way you died I think psychologically it's a way like it's a sense of control because no one wants to believe that bad things just happen to anyone or good people and so if you believe like oh in some way this person is responsible or there's some sort of order to the universe then that's like a sort of like a way to control and feel safe when in reality mother nature doesn't give one single fuck you know that's a that's a great point yeah so to answer this plague epidemic the people of venice had a very interesting idea do you know what a lazaretto is no, I don't. A lazaretto is a quarantine station where boats must stop to be medically inspected before landing in Venice. So, most people, I think, understand that Venice is just uh, full of canals and it's a huge shipping port for Italy. Um, if but if you're not familiar with Venice it is full of canals, and it's a shipping port for italy (laughs) so like i've never been there but i've seen pictures literally the roads in venice are like canals and you take boats to get places there so like imagine a town with streets and then replace those streets with water in your head (laughs) and that's a good no i gotcha (laughs) yeah okay that's a good idea (laughs) of what venice is Yeah, I really try to conceptualize this, okay? <laughs> yeah.
1: So take the roads, picture a road. <laughs> now picture a road, but instead
2: of a road, it's water. Now you've got it. Exactly. That's exactly right, <laughs> Alyssa. So Venice, back in the medieval times, it was like this huge shipping port. They had hundreds of boats coming in in a day to trade there and so the people of venice were figured out that quarantining um or social distancing they were some of the first social distancers they were like you know what we've got all these boats coming and um at the time they didn't understand how the plague was transmitted but they understood that infected people could infect other people they just thought it was like oh they touched their clothes or something like that or you smelled the air around that person and then you got Haunted by this plague, basically. So they were like, you know what? Here's how we're going to solve it. We have these little tiny islands um, that, like Poveglia, there's a few other ones, too. And we're going to turn those all into lazarettos, And we're going to make all of these ships coming into trade dock there first. And they're going to be medically inspected. And if determined that the people aboard are showing symptoms of the plague, they would spend 40 days on the island waiting to see if Damn. they died or recovered. Most died. Jeez. And if they survived the 40-day trial, then they were either declared healthy and let go to Venice, or they were just left for dead. And this is how the word quarantine, yeah, they just, yeah, because they were, this and this is how the word quarantine came to use, because it's the Italian word for the number 40, which is quaranta. How fucked up is that?
1: (laughs) That's, yeah, that's fucking wild. Right. That's crazy. I mean, it's, it's cool that they had the forethought to understand that you need to quarantine people. Like that's really cool that they were kind of the inventors of this system that we're currently using today. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's still relevant, but it's gnarly to think that I mean, I'm thinking about, for example, when COVID first happened, remember there was those cruise ships off the coast that like weren't allowed to dock anywhere and people were stuck there for months. Right. And people like, you know, the water system went out and like, it was just like a nightmare. I'm thinking, but at least at some point those people were allowed to dock and come back. I'm thinking about the opposite, like just being stuck on an island and it doesn't matter if you live or die, you're just stuck there. Right.
2: For eternity,
1: like that is nightmarish.
2: Yeah. And they didn't medically like they say, oh, we're going to medically examine you to see if you have the bubonic plague. But how did they medically examine people? They just basically were like, you seem like you're sick, you know? And so a lot of people who were healthy were left on these islands and then they would contract it afterwards. So in my opinion, I don't understand why anyone would just go like if they were like, oh, you're going to stay on this island. I would be like, no, I'm not like jump off the boat. I'm going to like take my chances like swimming, you know, (laughs) I'm not going to fucking stay on this island. So people did not want to go to this island. And as the plague epidemic took hold in Italy, lazarettos, like Pavaglia soon became cramped with the sick and the dead. Those who were all alive surely must have seen horrible deaths of everyone around them. It looked like hell, wrote 16th century chronicler Rocco Benedetti. The sick lay there, three or four in a bed. Workers collected the dead and threw them in graves all day without a break. Often the dying ones and the ones too sick to move or talk were taken for dead and thrown on the piled of corpses to be burned alive.
1: Uh, so they would take the dead people, throw them into mass graves, which I understand because a lot of people were doing that at the time because people were dying so fast. But not only would they throw the dead into these mass graves, they would throw just super sick people on top of them and then light everyone on fire. Yeah. Yeah. That, that yeah. is the most haunted.
2: That is the most haunted shit I have ever heard on this show I think to date. I know it's it's a horrible thought and but a lot of it comes from just people you know ignorance like I like I think if you're on this island people assume well they're gonna die anyways and they've done excavations on other islands surrounding the area these other lazarettos and they historians have come to the conclusion that at least 500 people a day died in some of these places so All over Europe, they have these things called plague pits, not just in Venice, but all over Europe, where it's essentially just a giant hole in the ground full of bodies, and they burn them up, and then they cover it over. And even in modern London, when they're digging out the new railway, they found one of these giant plague pits and they find them so often that they actually have to have an archaeologist stay with the people who are um, digging out the new rail and just constantly be recording and ca- like collecting and categorizing these skeletons from these bubonic plague. Because it was literally, I mean, 30 million people. It, it was literally That's everywhere so many people. people were dying. Yeah. Also, yeah. And because they didn't understand how this was, how this happened, um, there was a lot of superstition and fear and mass paranoia. And many people who were banished to poveglia from Venice were going against their will and they weren't suffering from the plague at all, but they were just suspected to be exposed to it. So it's really like a witch hunt. You could be on Venice and someone could come to your house and be like, oh, I heard you last night coughing or I saw you, you know, scratching your neck. I think you're sick. You're going to go to poveglia now. And that was surely a death Ugh. sentence for you.
1: And I'm sure people were abusing that, too. Like, oh, you have a neighbor that owes you a bunch of money that's never going to pay you back? Report him, you right. know, as as be- having the plague. And now he's going to go die. Or, yeah, just like I've, I could totally see people abusing right. this system to just get rid of people they don't like.
2: Yeah. People think I'm high because I'm kind of slow. You have the plague and now you're <laughs> going to die in a mass grave. So who's fucking slow now? Yeah. <laughs> So once the plague began to pick up, all of the dead bodies from Venice as well were transported to Poveglia or other lazarettos, and all of them were either dead on arrival or they spent their last painful days on Poveglia. So like I said, yeah, if you're in Venice and you die, they didn't even want to take their dead and leave them in Venice. They would transport dead bodies over to Poveglia as well. So this was literally just an island of dead. The islands around Venice were nothing more than dumping grounds for corpses and the living dead. And they wandered around in packs until they were ugh. dead or buried alive, like we talked about.
1: Oh, yeah. What you're describing to me sounds like zombies. You know yeah, what I mean?
2: Right. Yes. It's like, That's exactly ugh. what it was like. You had these people who had infested lymph nodes. So really imagine like a zombie, someone whose neck was just had like a hen's egg size cyst like bloody pus pimple on it and it had like exploded all over their neck and their armpits were bleeding and their groins were bleeding and they were coughing and it's really disgusting what the black death looks like I'm gonna show you a picture of a guy who survived the black plague in June of 2012 because it's my best example to show you what this looked like oh my god so Describe what you're seeing. It looks like very
1: advanced necrosis. This so I'm looking at a hand of a man and the tips of all of his fingers are just like black and wither like I'm talking about like charcoal. It looks like he dipped his hand in soot, but it's not. It's his skin and his nails are also black. It's and it looks like it's peeling, like it's dead and dying, like the flesh has just decayed, but it's so the reason why it's so striking is because half of his hand still has healthy normal-looking skin and then it's only like the the tips mm-hmm. of his fingers and half of his palm that is this like black and yellow and oh, it's so gross. Right, I'm
2: going to show you another picture.
1: Oh my lord. Okay, so I'm looking at the second picture and we'll post all of these to the Instagram account. So, this is a guy in a hospital bed. He has all these tubes coming out of him. He has a trach, he has an oxygen supplement like supply, and his two hands are being held up and they are just black and rotting and like swollen. And he can't, it looks like he can't move them. He looks like he's in so much pain. Oh my god. OK, and now there's a picture of uh, of a guy that's visiting him in the hospital. I mean, this just looks horrific. This doesn't even look like a person.
2: This man, his name is um, Gaylord is his last name. And he contracted the disease when he tried to pull a mouse out of the mouth of his cat, Charlie, because it was choking oh, on my the gosh. rodent. Oh, that's so sad. He was just trying to help his cat. I know. And what's creepy, too, is that the bubonic plague is coming back. I don't know if you knew about that at all.
1: Yeah, I know that the a large percentage of the homeless population in downtown LA gets the plague every year because they're living with rodents. Right,
2: exactly. And I mean, now you can survive from it because we have a- antibiotics, which it can pretty easily be treated as long as you don't wait too long. So it's not as much of a threat. But back in medieval times, it was a death sentence, pretty much. Basically, from looking at that photo, you can see now why you might believe that this person was, like, infested by demons or had the wrath of God put on them. Because he literally looks like a zombie, like, haunted yeah, demon he does. man. Did that man survive? Do we know? Okay, it says the disease, a version of the med- medieval scourge that wiped out at least a third of Europe, took away the 59-year-old's welder fingertips, his toes, and his ability to make a living. Oh, yeah. So he lost his fingers and toes. That's so sad. And then his cat died. Oh, wow, I know. So Poor bad guy. I hope he's doing well. What's this guy's name? Gaylord. Gaylord. He lives in Bend, Oregon. I've,
1: oh, I've been to Bend before. Gaylord, I hope you're doing well. If you listen to this episode by some... You won't listen to this episode, but if you do, I
2: hope you're doing well. <laughs> I don't think he wants to hear about the bubonic plague. Yeah, ever again. maybe not. Probably. Unless
1: he's like us, and it's just like, oh, this haunted thing happened to me. Let me fucking research the shit out of it and give myself a panic
2: attack. Right. Here's what I want to tell Gaylord. Gaylord, you contracted this disease not because you experienced the wrath of God or because there's demons, but really just because Mother Nature is just a fucking bitch. And so don't feel bad about it, okay? Yeah,
1: and you did it. You contracted it while trying to save your cat. And that is the most pure thing I can think of. Because animals are so pure. You did the right thing. Mm -hmm. I hope that you're leading a blessed life. And I hope that you won
2: the lottery five times. Because you deserve it. Slay. Slay. So on these death islands full of the dam, the only healthy people were the doctors who dared to stay there. Do you know what a plague doctor is, Alyssa?
1: I, when you say plague doctor, I'm picturing those photos of the plague doctor costume where they have on that really long beak-like bird-looking mm. mask. And then they also have on like this, isn't it like a black, like um, almost like a moo? <laughs> like it's just like this right. really big, it's like their whole bodies are covered. And I think they wear gloves and stuff too.
2: You're exactly right. So I'm going to show you some pictures.
1: Oh, yep. That's exactly what I was picturing. All right, guys. So this is a picture of a plague doctor that I'm looking at. He's got like a cane in his hand. He's wearing yellow gloves. He's got black shoes Mm -hmm. on. He's got a really, it looks almost like a priest's outfit in a sense, like this big black cloak looking thing and then he has on this mask that is like a white bird with a really long beak his eyes are covered too and then he has a black top hat on so literally every inch of his body is covered in something
2: yeah so it's basically they referred to them as almost like a butcher's costume. They have this big leather, really thick butcher's like dress on that covers pretty much all of their body and then they have big leather gloves on and they carry a stick. So they cord it just like they don't have to touch anyone. They sort of hoard people with this stick. And they've got this really big mask that has glass eyes on it and a beak and in that beak they fill it up with herbs and like really smelly um, sort of spices and flowers because they believed that the smells in the air like, are what affect your humors and make you sick. So that was their way to prevent against that. And then on top of all of that, they would wear a hat. And there's also another version of this mask too that I want to show you that's, I think, even more creepy. So here's a version of that. And this was oh. some, one of the masks that was excavated oh God. Um, back in the 1800s. They found this and then someone oh put it on their head and took a picture with it. Oh, my God.
1: If, okay, first... Let me just say that if someone came in, if I were sick and someone came into my room wearing this, I would just kill myself because this is the scariest (laughs) looking thing I have ever seen in my life. This looks like a if Big Bird was a zombie. It's like a, it's like a, I don't even know how to describe this, Natalia. It's so scary. I don't
2: want to look at it. It looks like an old nautical, like, you know, those old timey scuba diving things where it's like a big globe on the head with, like, a giant, which almost looks like a a flaccid penis for a nose. Like, it's very... Creepy looking. It It doesn't look like a bird. To me, this looks like a fucking scary. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. Yeah, it's fucking terrifying. Basically, these islands where you have all of these people who don't want to be there because they're either dying, they're dead, or they're soon to be dead and they're just roaming around like zombies is patrolled by these doctors who are wearing these ghoulish bird like masks with their beaks stuffed with herbs that are supposed to prevent the bacteria from entering their respiratory system. And these plague doctors believed in. Various random medical, I say medical in quotations cures for the black Pet plague and do you know what any of these cures medieval cures might be we've often talked about medieval or (laughs) old cures Um, of things and I find them fascinating so I try to include them anytime I can I'm
1: gonna say that they thought leeches or I'm gonna say that they thought mouse ears (laughs) because that was not an episode that you covered or I'm gonna say that they just cut people and did bloodletting
2: right so you're right bloodletting and the leeches were which are considered part of bloodletting, did happen. And there was all kinds of potions that include things like mouse ear or different herbs. And of the... So there's five different ways that the doctors would try to cure the plague. You have animal cures. And then the second group is potions, fumigations, bloodletting, and pace. And then the third group is a flight from infected areas and the persecution of marginalized communities, which is like... People leaving the city or people saying you have to go to Poveglia and then religious cures, which we'll talk about might include things like flagellation or prayer or um, driving out demons and then quarantine and social distancing, which is the only one out of all of these that has been proven to work. But because it's so fascinating, we're going to really dive deep into all the other plague doctor remedies right so I want to mention that the most famous plague doctor of this time was Nostradamus who you might know and Nostradamus gave good advice okay so he recommended that patients drink only boiled water sleep in clean beds and leave infected towns as soon as possible which is good advice yeah but not every plague doctor gave good advice. Do you know what the vicary method is? The
1: vicary method. Uh, did they just kill you? Did they kill you? <laughs> yeah. Did they? Were they like, here's how you get cured of the
2: plague? I'm gonna stab you through the heart now. <laughs> Um, well, no, not exactly, but it pretty much, I don't think it worked once. I don't know why they would think it worked, but basically what they did is they take a healthy chicken and they pluck its back and its rear. And what? they take the bare part of that live chicken, so its back and its butthole, and they put it on the swollen nodes of what? the sick person. They strap the chicken around there. So you have a plucked chicken's butthole. Sp- wrapped around your neck or your groin or wherever some of these infected buboes are. And then the thought was that the chicken would start showing signs of illness, obviously, because you fucking are strapping it to a person and putting it under extreme stress by plucking its backside. So this chicken eventually becomes sick and dies and it's thought that the chicken's drawing the disease out from the person through its butthole and then the chicken's (laughs) removed washed and it's strapped back on and this is continued till either the chicken or the patient dies this
1: is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life well stay tuned (laughs) because you're about to hear a lot more do you know what the snake method is do they do the same thing but with a snake's butthole
2: pretty yeah you know, well no no but almost so they basically find and kill a snake they chop the snake into pieces and then they rub the various parts of this snake pieces all over the swollen <laughs> buboes oh and because because the snake which is synonymous in Europe with satan was thought to draw the disease out of the body as evil would be drawn to evil like a magnet Pigeons were also used in the same way, but why the pigeon was chosen is unclear. <laughs> now, this one I think is probably my favorite, the unicorn method. Can you guess what the unicorn method is?
1: I'm just going to stick with what I know and say stab someone through a heart,
2: through their heart
1: <laughs> with a unicorn horn.
2: No, this one's I think a little bit more mystical and exciting. To me, I would like this done to me because it means that a <laughs> unicorn is real. So an animal that was much sought after for its curative powers was the unicorn. Drinking a powder made of the ground up horn of the unicorn mixed in water was thought to be an effective remedy and was also among the most expensive, meaning only the wealthy could afford the unicorn method. And doctors who managed to procure the powder of a ground unicorn horn used it to treat snake bites fevers, convulsions, and serious wounds. So it was thought to work equally well with the plague. There's no evidence that it did work, however, any more than the cures involving the chicken or the snake. But what I love about this so much is that there's no, like in any article that I read, there's no talk about how unicorns aren't real. Like, it's always just like, oh, the doctors would take unicorn powder and ground it up and put it on things, which makes me believe that unicorns, dragons, and other lore from medieval times may have existed because no one's saying it didn't.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to say, okay, but what is a quote unquote unicorn horn? Like, are they just taking horns? And antlers from like sheep and deer. And then they say like who's running the scam or is it a scam? Did they really have unicorns back then? I don't know.
2: I think that I'm going to have to do an episode on that. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so the next cure is the emerald cure. Just based off of what I've talked about before, which is you basically take whatever the thing is and you desecrate it and then rub it on the swollen lymph nodes. Can you guess what the emerald cure might consist of?
1: I'm going to say you take emeralds and you rub it all over someone's leaking
2: lymph nodes. Ha, ha, I tricked you. You take Damn emeralds it. and you crush them up <laughs> and you grind them more that you grind the emeralds with mortar and pestle and then you have this fine powder which is either mixed with food or water and it's literally ground stones so there's like glass-like shards of emeralds in there and then you have people drink the emeralds. People who couldn't afford to consume the emeralds, don't worry. They could drink arsenic or mercury. Both which killed them faster than the plague.
1: Okay, so so that, you know what? Okay, but that kind of makes me think maybe this is the compassionate route, because if most people died from the plague anyway, maybe this mm -hmm. was kind of like the world's first humane
2: euthanasia for humans. I don't think so. I think if you drink poison, it's a pretty hard way to go. I think (laughs) the most humane way would be to like chop off the person's head or something, right?
1: Yeah. Or, or you know, what they do for dogs and cats, they give them um, a medicine that makes them go to sleep and then they give them a medicine
2: that stops their heart. Right. Yeah. I don't think that these people who were rubbing chicken assholes on their infections understood no, that level of technology not. yet. So the next thing you could do was the four thieves vinegar. Do you know what that is?
1: The four thieves vinegar? Mm-hmm. You take vinegar from four criminals and rub it on your butthole?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you milk you milk a thief and they come out with vinegar. Ew. Um no Four Thieves vinegar is a combination of cider, vinegar, or wine with spices such as sage, clove, rosemary, and wormwood, and it's thought to be a protection against the plague. And the reason it's called Four Thieves vinegar is because allegedly it was created and used by four thieves who were able to rob the homes of the dying and the graves of the dead because the drink made them immune to the plague. Oh, well, that kind of makes me believe it. Yeah, and Four Thieves vinegar is still made and used today in the practice of homeopathic medicine and as an antibacterial agent, but no one in the modern day claims that it can cure the plague.
1: Huh. Well, I don't know. If these four thieves were able to go door to door, steal everyone's shit while they're dying and not get the plague, and they weren't wearing a plague doctor outfit, Mm -hmm. they were just drinking this potion, then
2: that kind of makes me think the potion works. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you never know. Maybe they were just people like lucky people. They didn't give a shit about it. Maybe the plague like literally can't kill you if you don't give a shit. You're just like, my fingers are black. Who cares? I can still do my job. They're like, oh, I've got this swollen, swollen hen's egg of pus all over my body. Who cares? I just found a necklace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then the devil
1: that's inside your swollen lymph node is like, all right, this isn't working. This person clearly right, doesn't give a
2: shit. Yeah, I'll just leave and go infect yeah, someone Yeah, they're else. like, let me just go up the butthole of this chicken and <laughs> yeah. just get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one that I like, I think that this is something that I, I think I would be behind, is flowers. Can you imagine how flowers were used?
1: So I'm thinking flowers would help hide the smell, right? So were they mm-hmm. used, like, to
2: put so someone could smell the flowers instead of the... I don't know. Exactly. Much like how the beaks of these plague doctors were full of flowers and spices and herbs, people carried around bouquets of flowers and they held them to their faces which not only warded off the stench of decomposing bodies that were literally all over the streets, but it also was thought to fumigate one's lungs and it was this practice which gave rise to the children's rhyme, ring around the rosy, pocket full of posy, ashes, ashes we all fall down in reference to the practice of filling one pockets with flowers or sweet smelling substances to keep one safely fumigated at all times and as the rhyme suggests this was ineffective and they died
1: that's interesting though because yeah i mean that's like a children's rhyme in the u.s like kids Mm -hmm. dance around to it and then to know that it's connected to this like haunted time in history is kind of cool it's like I don't I like stuff like that. I like morbid yeah, macabre stuff that happens that we don't even realize we're still associating
2: with our everyday lives. Well, then you are going to love this next one. Ooh, Bloodletting. Do you know what bloodletting is? I think you do. So go ahead. Tell yeah, us.
1: I'm going to say, yeah, it's either using leeches or just cutting someone and letting them bleed because people in old timey times thought that if you that they thought that the infection was in the blood and that if you would get some of the blood out of the body
2: then the infection would leave the body. Yes that's essentially it but I want to emphasize that this was really really painful. You have somebody who is already suffering from this horrible disease this sickness and then you're literally putting leeches on them and Cutting their feet Or cutting different areas Next to the buboes And having them bleed out Which is painful enough But then to imagine That you're doing this On top of like These infected areas That are already swollen To the touch Yikes So it's thought that by drawing out the, quote, bad blood, which caused the illness, that the health would be resor- restored by good blood that remained. And the preferred method was leaching, in which a number of leeches would be placed on the patient's body to suck out the bad blood. But leech collectors were a highly paid profession, and not everyone could afford this treatment. So for the less affluent, a small incision was made in the skin with a knife, and the bad blood was collected in a cup and disposed of. Another method along these same lines was called cupping, in which a cup was heated and then applied upside down to a patient's skin, especially the bubo's, to vacuum out the sickness into it. So if you can imagine taking a cup and heating it up and then putting it on top of um, a swollen part of your body, it would draw, it would like explode your lymph node basically and fill the cup with pus, which is disgusting. That's Gross. The next one is human waste, which is what it sounds like. Human waste was turned into a paste for the same purpose, Ah. which obviously led to greater infection. And so it's believed that clean urine had medicinal properties and people would bathe in it or drink in it. And urine collectors were paid well by doctors for clean product. And also people literally took excrement and smeared it all over the buboes, thinking that it would draw out the bad.
1: Okay, now I'm going to say... Why? Why would you ever think that shitting and turning it into a paste and rubbing it on your open infected wounds would be helpful? Why? That to me, like, just, okay, look, I understand some of the other stuff. Okay, you are putting this cup on your lymph node, it explodes all the pus out. You're putting leeches, you're taking out bad blood, quote unquote. Right. You're like, I understand like you're 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 putting a chicken's butthole on your lymph node. It draws out the illness, okay, I get it. where Where would you possibly think that putting shit on yourself would help?
2: I think they thought that like like attracts like, right? So they're like, this smells bad and is bad and is gross. <laughs> so if we took two bad things and put them together. The bad stuff inside the body will go into the excrement. And then when we wash it off with urine, everything will be fine. (laughs) (laughs) So the next one they did, which I think is hilarious, is flagellation. Do you know what flagellation is? No. They Wait, do they fart on you? (laughs) no I wish no flagellation is like where people go around so they thought basically the devil was inside them so they needed to repent and one of the ways they did this was with a flagella I think it's called or something like that it's a whip and you basically whip yourself on your back as you like parade around the streets saying that you're you know a horrible person and you need God's help and like you're trying to whip the devil out of you and so you have these public flagellations that were going around in the center of, it's basically the end of the world. You're living in your shithole medieval house covered in shit and poop. And then you have people outside crying, whipping themselves that they belong in hell. And the Pope eventually had to put a stop to the public flagellations because it was upsetting to the populace. But by that time, participants had spread the plague to every town or city that they had visited because they had these processions of flagellation in which participants marched around. and Usually, in a central point of town in the church or a shrine and they just were whipping the shit out of themselves and like crying that they were bad people oh my god <laughs> and then you have your religious cures which are religious amulets or wait no i can't say that amulet amulets yeah which are religious amulets and charms prayer fasting attending mass and persecuting those thought responsible and participating in religious processions. So those are all the different ways that these crazy plague doctors with these horrible outfits that are on this island of death were treating patients. So none of these treatments sound like they're any better than the actual plague itself, right? These are all like painful and horrible and humiliating. Who wants to have a fucking poop rubbed all over them or have a chicken's butthole on their you know swollen glands or have a snake which they thought was literally Satan rubbed all over your body like these are worse than the actual plague
1: yeah it sounds super dehumanizing because what you're describing is basically someone in their most vulnerable state that's so sick they can't even move talk eat like do anything for themselves then this fucking plague doctor comes in and probably strips them naked covers them in Mm -hmm. shit covers them in chickens covers (laughs) them in snakes do, like you know what i mean and not then now, even their own
2: shit someone else's no, shit. no someone
1: else's shit then pisses all over them to wash it all off puts leeches right. on them <laughs> puts these hot cups on them to explode their lymph nodes and in the meantime mm-hmm. probably there's people just like watching what's done to you you know it's like you're an yeah. exp- a science experiment you're not even a human exactly
2: right it's really sucks but you know like all of the best lessons that life teaches us the lesson of the black death was painful But necessary, Alyssa, because to many historians, the Black Death marked the end of the Middle Ages and the start of the modern age. Because after all of this plague happened, people had this disillusionment with the religious, political, and medical paradigms of the past. And they were inspired to seek alternatives. And those alternatives would eventually find full expression in the Renaissance, which laid the foundation for the world of the modern era. So... Thankful to our ancestors who had to endure and experience so much of this painful and horrible, you know, time in their life. But it really was the platform which fed people, which got people fed up and had them being like, you know what, maybe we're going to stop rubbing shit on ourselves and try something else.
1: Well, and also it's crazy to think about like people with European ancestry, like, you're only alive today because somebody in your far distant family survived the plague. Yes. That is insane. 30 million people died and you are here today because somebody didn't die. So if anyone tries to tell you that your life doesn't matter, they're full of shit and chicken butts because that is not (laughs) true.
2: Yes, exactly. So by the end of the epidemic, Italy had lost one-third of its population, and it's thought to by some historians that it was even half of the population, which finally closed this dark chapter in the Italian history. And in this time that povelia was this lazaretto it's estimated that more than 160,000 corpses were disposed of there it's impossible for us to know how many bodies were exposed of there um, because we don't have very good record keeping because like i said at one point they were just disposing of bodies and as a consequence the earth on the island is allegedly mostly composed of human ash and bone so nevertheless the Lazaretto was maintained up until 1803, and then it was finally abandoned. They maintained it because the Italians believed that they needed to be cautious in case another plague came about, which is good. But it, it, it stayed open, and luckily after there were no more crazy plagues where they had to use it in its full capacity, the island closed down in 1803 and was abandoned until Napoleon used the island for a darker purpose he stored weapons there during the war so napoleon in the 12th century also had the church destroyed and the church's bell tower was converted into a lighthouse eventually napoleon's enemies discovered that he was storing weapons on the island and so many battles took place on the island which claimed even more lives and then in world war one and world war two the island of Paviglia had various military functions during the First World War and the Second. And in fact, during the Second World War, parts of the island became a hospital for contagious diseases such as tuberculosis. And after the war, this was the main use of Paviglia, was, again, storing contagious diseases like tuberculosis. So after it's closed from the plague, it has this dark history of war and being used to store weapons which most people would consider dark and evil and then it also had this history of again becoming another place for infectious diseases of people who are sick and dying which are not happy and a lot of people died there too so you have the ghosts of those people from the plague the ghosts of those people From the origin of the story, you know, the ghosts of the the assassination people. You have the ghosts of the fire that rained down there. You have the ghosts of Napoleon's um, generals and soldiers that were killed there. All of the plague doctors and all of the bodies from Venice and all of the people who died of tuberculosis. So this this island, Poveglia, was already known as being haunted. It was already called an island of ghosts way before at modern times so the people from the 12th century from napoleon era would have known that this place was haunted because they knew that it, so many people from the plague had died there so what happens next is that you have this haunted island like i said where most people already know that it's haunted it has this horrible past of just being like this sketch dark twisted forbidden island basically and so what do they do In 1922, they open an asylum there, (laughs) of course, and the asylum was made partially using those already existing buildings, which had once served to house victims of the plague, and the mental hospital's existence is confirmed to this day by a sign that says Reparto Psychiatria, which means um, psychiatric, like ward, and it's affixed to the derelict building to this day so we know for a fact that the asylum was there it's not just um something creepy that people came up with and the psychiatric department for this island had this creepy bell tower lighthouse we'll call it you know because it was transformed by napoleon Uh but they still call it a bell tower some people call it a lighthouse and it was transformed for um troubled souls who were reportedly molested by the staff so It's really sad this the story of the asylum because you basically uh, obviously the way that people were treated like for mental health back in the 1920s is what we a lot of us would consider um, torture and they were going there against their will. It's basically like a prison island. But the people who were going there they really believed that this island was haunted. So they had heard all these stories of the past there and this place already had this notorious past and people already said that they could hear and see ghosts and strange things happened on this island. And now they're taken there and put in this asylum. But because these people are considered crazy, I guess, by um, the people, anyone who was not, who was working in the asylum, they really mistreated these patients. And when the patients would constantly say, oh, you know, I'm seeing ghosts. I'm hearing um, plague victims like talking to me in my sleep. I'm seeing apparitions. There's an old woman whispering in my ear (laughs) at night. Everyone was kind of just like, yeah, whatever, whatever. And then they're like, give you a lobotomy. And Ugh. there was this doctor, the head doctor of the mental asylum, was known for trying to find a cure for the insanity of these patients by performing a lobotomies on the patients. But he conducted lobotomies using hammers and nails and drills and chisels oh and God. hand drills on his subjects. And some of the odd machines that he used can still be seen in the rooms of the hospital today if you go to explore it. And... Obviously, because these people were considered like second class citizens, they didn't have much sanitary measures or use anesthetics. And it's thought that in the asylum's bell tower, the doctor performed these like experimental lobotomies on people and tortured them. And then he mysteriously died one night in the bell tower. And there's several different versions of the story. One of the theories is that he was driven to suicide because when he had started there, he was a good doctor and then over time had sort of like lost his marbles and started treating the patients more inhumanely. And some people say it's because of the demons and the dark spirits on this island. And then the other version of the story claims that the doctor himself was having visions of specters and shadows and ghosts and that he was pushed off the tower by an otherworldly entity and that legend also includes a nurse who witnessed the fall who swore on her life that the doctor was still alive for a few seconds after he fell from the bell tower only to be consumed by a fog-like apparition of black mist that took his last dying breath ugh, no, fuck that, fuck that, right? And then if that wasn't enough, immediately after the the doctor dies in 1968, the hospital is closed and the island is once again completely abandoned after they said there was a, quote, problem with the water supply there. So who the fuck knows what happened with all that haunted bullshit? But I certainly, for one, believe that he was driven mad by these ghosts and specters and creepy stuff that the patient's were experiencing.
1: Also, can you just imagine living in a place that's had so much death and destruction and just mm-hmm. bad vibes in general? Eventually, you're going to be affected by that energy and you're going to start right. feeling negative. Like even if you don't believe in ghosts, just knowing that people were burnt alive in funeral pyres, that people died, uh, you know, of horrific battle wounds, like you're going to feel uneasy
2: in that environment right and if you're spending time with all of these patients who are saying like oh there's a ghost at the end of my bed or uh you know oh doctor you don't look well today have you heard the story of like just fucking freaking you the fuck out you know yeah yeah (laughs) i would eventually probably lose my shit too i mean nevertheless i don't believe that I believe that he died under sketch circumstances. I don't think that a doctor would just fall off of the bell tower up there. I think he was definitely pushed or he jumped.
1: I'm wondering if a patient was taken into that bell tower to have a lobotomy and fought back. I mean, who Mm -hmm. knows? But this Mm -hmm. nurse who, you know, if we believe that this nurse was not a patient of the mental asylum, obviously, then she should be in her... Um, you know in her right state of mind and if she saw a black mist consume this guy I mean we kind of have to believe her right
2: yeah I mean that's so creepy it sounds like the grudge or the ring right just like right a black mist consumes I, um, oh, I believe it I believe it that's fucking or, scary I, or at the very least I believe that she believes that happened which is freaking me out yeah it's freaking me out I mean yeah ugh, it makes me uncomfortable So the island, again, was abandoned in 1968. And then many, many years later, the Italian government is broke and having some issues. And they see this haunted, abandoned island where the locals believe that it's so haunted they don't even want to go near it. And they're like, you know what we should do? Let's put it up for auction and see if we can get some money for it. And would you believe that they sold it in 2014 to an Italian businessman named Luigi Brunagato for 400,000 euro. And Luigi planned...
1: Honestly, if I were super
2: rich, I would buy all the haunted landmarks. So I do understand that. See, to me, I feel like four hundred thousand euro for an entire island off the coast of Venice, despite how crazy and haunted and gross it is, is like cheap, right? You yeah, a oh, whole that's super fucking cheap. island. Yeah, I feel like I might just be motivated to go out and work hard and make that much money so I can have my own island. If I knew they were going for that cheap, so Luigi planned to turn the island into a luxury resort. But but would you believe that the deal fell through under mysterious circumstances? It's believed that his daughter, while visiting the island in the bell tower, had a mysterious force scratch her face and then the deal fell through. Oh, shit. I I believe that that
1: because the the bell tower slash lighthouse was used for so many haunted purposes throughout history. I'm sure that there's the spirits of so many patients of this asylum that were taken up there for experimental treatment and didn't survive. Because as we know, lobotomies had a really high rate of death because of infection. Right. Yeah. And especially if you're using a fucking drill, like you said, this doctor was just using
2: drills Mm -hmm. to mash people's brains up. Yeah. Yeah. So the island today is still abandoned, but in 2016, five people from Colorado were rescued by Italian firefighters after they decided to spend the night on the famous haunted island of Pavalia, the location of the upcoming movie, The Plague Doctor. They reached the island through a water taxi and decided to stay for the night. But as soon as the darkness took over, a presence started to haunt them making them scream for help. A sailboat in the area overheard the people screaming for their lives and called the Italian authorities to come to their rescue.
1: First of all, of course they had to be American. Like, why did they have to be American? We're just going to other people's countries and fucking shit up all the time.
2: But also, I kind of understand it. Like, You know what I'm finding out is that a lot of cultures like believe in hauntings More than Americans, like they just accept something is haunted, and they're like, "Oh, that's haunted. Let's not go there. Don't fuck with it. It's haunted." But Americans are like, "Oh, it's haunted. Let's go take all of our little meters and try to fuck with everything that's there and see if we can get a response and prove that it's haunted." You know? Right. Yeah. It's like we're. I don't.
1: Maybe it's an ego thing. I don't know. Or just ignorant, just like so dumb that we're just like, yeah, I'll survive the haunted spirits of thousands of hu- hundreds of thousands of people that died on this island. Right. Like I, w- I will be the one to survive and then just couldn't hack it. And so I think the authorities had to come.
2: I think it, yeah, I think it's our like rebellious spirit. Spirit. Like, America is founded on this idea that, like, we should be free and be able to do whatever we want and not have to follow right. the rules. And it's really just something that's, like, ingrained in our blood. And it goes, it, it sounds in theory like a good thing. But, you know, it comes out in ways that are very extreme like people parading around saying they don't need to wear a mask or people saying they don't need to wear seat belts or people just rebelling against rules in general you know being like i don't have to vaccinate my kids i can do whatever the fuck i want And so, yeah, I think that this is another one of those examples where they're like, "Okay, this island, you're not supposed to go to it. No one wants you to go to it. And they're like, you know what? We're going to fucking go there because it's our right as human beings. And then fast forward six hours and they're like being haunted and tickled by like a doctor trying to perform a (laughs) lobotomy on them and screaming. their uh, screaming to death. And then the Italians have to come save them. Yeah. (laughs) Just Americans (laughs) in general, starting wars, starting fires, fucking shit up. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah. But it's also
1: like I understand it. (laughs) Like I understand wanting to go to this island because as you're telling me this, I'm like, fuck, that would be so cool if we could go film a vlog on that island. And like, Mm -hmm. would I want to spend the night? Not without professionals. Like I would need someone there that's like professional haunted, certified in yeah or like a black belt in ghost stuff like just someone that can like fight like roundhouse kick the head off of a ghost that's what i need i need nick right. cage please nick cage come with us to Paveglia.
2: so there have been some people who have gone to poveglia and i'm gonna show you just like a little bit of footage of them and of course it's like youtubers who are trying to like make like an hour's worth of content so it's sort of boring right. so i'm just gonna show you like the main um stuff Oh, yeah. I
1: mean, it's the the cool thing about abandoned buildings. I I love abandoned buildings because it's really interesting to be able to walk through the skeleton of something that, I don't know, something that was really significant in history. Like this started as a community of people with the plague, and then it turned into an asylum. And so it's just kind of cool to see all the different architecture that's still there that you can just walk through. I don't know, it's really interesting.
2: Yeah, so the island now is completely abandoned, but there's still some of these old haunted buildings on it, like the mental asylum and some of the older plague buildings and the you can even go over to the burning grounds and if you stuck your fingers in the dirt, like an inch underneath the dirt on top is just all ash. So and that's like humans, human, right? Yeah, like human wow. ash remains and Fuck. bones.
1: So do people, so do people say that they like hear the souls crying or fires crackling? Yeah,
2: that's, I mean, that's what, so the, all of the accounts from these patients who were in the asylum, that's what they were saying. They were saying they were seeing ghosts. They were saying plague victims were walking around at night. They would hear people screaming for their lives. They would hear. All kinds of just horrible ghostly voices and see apparitions and and they even saw the ghosts from the Napoleonic Wars and so this that's why it's this island is called the island of Ghosts because there's literally so many bad things that have happened there that y- y- okay so let's put it this way if like five out of 100 times a ghost occurs from a death then like the amount of death that has happened <laughs> yeah. on this island, has to have produced some ghosts right no that's
1: a great point if you had you know a hundred thousand people die
2: on this island
1: yeah then there's got to be at least several hundred ghosts <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. and then that's yeah. my i did the math and, and that's, that's math. what it that's is Science. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so I would like to know what you your favorite part of this story is Alyssa like which one of these aspects of hauntings of this story do you find to be the most intriguing is it the plague is it the um, medieval times on this island is it the asylum like which part do you think is the most interesting
1: Well, I I definitely really liked the deep dive into the plague remedies. I thought that was super interesting. So I think the funniest part of this story is like the chicken butts. That's hilarious to me. (laughs) Um, But like the spookiest part or the part that makes me creeped out the most is definitely the thought of this guy throwing himself from the bell tower or being pushed to his death and then being swallowed up by a black fog like that
2: to me is Mm -hmm. very, very creepy yeah it took his last breath i mean that's just like the grim reaper right
1: yeah that's the grim reaper personified yeah Yeah. well and so you said that this is being turned into a movie
2: right so it's being turned into a movie and i think the movie should already be out hold on let me let me check it's called the plague doctor oh wait no okay (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know if it has been made or not because this is saying on Indiegogo.com, which is basically like where you do Kickstarters for projects. I see The Plague Doctor is on here and it's a a film about the Forsaken Island in the Venetian Lagoon and the ancient mask of a play doctor. So I think that this is the right one, but it says that they're trying to get $25,000 and they only got $17,000 and it's now closed. So maybe it didn't get made.
1: Well, I can't wait for it to be made because this island sounds super intriguing to me. Like everything I just learned today was I'm going to be thinking about this for the Maybe rest of the day. Maybe we should
2: make a movie. Like <laughs> just- <laughs> would, we, we start a Kickstarter and it, I mean, I, we could make a really shitty movie for $25,000. And you we and call I could it play doctors? Haunted.
1: Oh, I was going to say it's about our podcast.
2: And well, it's, that it's would be so sick boring. If we became, yeah. if we became a haunted movie, like if we became a horror movie production company, that's sick.
1: That maybe that's the ultimate dream: a haunted newsletter and a haunted production company that makes really bad movies.
2: If someone gives me twenty five thousand dollars, I'll do it. Like I will take, you know, four months out of my life to produce this film and make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. If, yeah. Uh
1: huh. <gasps> well, well thank happen. you Natalia this was a really good episode I was very intrigued the entire time I was on the edge of my seat I was I was thinking I had to make up for the Whaley episode <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have a ship post every now and then some some people enjoyed the, sh- the ship posting nature of it I think the the old timey reading that you did right. last episode was really funny <laughs>
2: thank you yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think the thing I want to end on for this episode is why I, uh, I feel like I would survive in medieval times, not just the restaurant, which I have been to. And I do like that place, but the actual medieval times, because when I was reading this, I was just like, oh yeah, like bad, the doctor was doing bad stuff and then bad stuff happened to him. Like that makes sense. And I was like, well, that's kind of what like the medieval people thought, right? Right. Like yeah. bad attracts bad. But I do, yeah. like, in a, in a huge sense, I do believe in karma. I do believe in the law of attraction. And I think if you're in this negative mindset, sp- especially if you're living on an island and that's a crazy negative history, historical artifacts all around you, and, like, you're walking around in human ash and there's, like, this macabre history, you would already be in a negative mindset. And then, like, all of these patients saying this crazy shit to you, like, yeah, eventually you're going to have a bad time. I agree. And then, yeah. and then the Grim Reaper is going to come take you. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed this episode. I guess it's time for our sign-off. Well, This is an easy one.
1: BRB, gotta go tie chicken butts to my lymph nodes. I support that. Bye! Bye! <laughs>